0: Welcome to the Dinner Party Download. This is your icebreaker.
1: Uh, Here is a joke. A guy walks into a bar and uh, he sees, sitting at the bar alone, a guy with a big, fat, orange head. It's so big, it's like the size of two beach balls. It's cartoonish and insane. So he goes up to the guy and he says, I gotta ask, what happened? How'd you get the head? He said, well... I was uh, shipwrecked on a desert island. There's a genie and a lamp, and I was given three wishes. And I know, I know what happens with the three wishes. They try to trick you if you're greedy, if you're immoderate. You have to be careful. So I wished, with was my first wish, for uh, just, just love, just a woman to love and share my life with. And I received that, and it's been wonderful. Well, what would you do with your second wish? Well, I wished for money, but not a ton of money, just a little bit of money, enough that my, me and my family could be secure, and I would then have time to do my charity work. And that has worked out beautifully. And so our guy said, okay, well, what happened to the third wish? And the guy with the head sighs and says, well, that's where I think I might've gone wrong. I wished for a big fat orange head.
2: I'm Rico Galliano. I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. And from American Public Media, this is The Dinner Party Download, the show that helps you win your next dinner party.
0: Our icebreaker this week came from Phil Hay, producer of the new documentary about Dungeons and Dragons. It's called The Dungeon Masters. He's also a 10th level wizard. Um, That's actually magic user, but I wouldn't expect you to know that. Dork. Coming up, garage country songstress Holly Golightly, designer abductions, a little world peace, a handgun, climate refugee parties, and an awesome song. But first, time for small talk.
2: So, Rico, as I do on occasion, I spent this week in Opposite Land. Oh, really? Yeah, and uh, these are the headlines that I saw while I was there. All right, you read them and I will translate. Okay, fantastic. So, um, in Opposite Land, the president of GM apologized before Congress for making cars that no one wanted to buy for the past two decades. So, Toyota actually apologized for creating
0: faulty products.
2: Okay, so be it. Freshman Senator Scott Brown was praised for crossing the aisle to vote for a new jobs bill. He was actually accused by the far
0: right of being a Republican in name only. Only. Disappointing. Sorry. And Dick Cheney survived a fifth heart attack. Actually, that happened. What? Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't Isn't they
2: send it? that guy into Afghanistan? He's, Indestructible. For,
0: uh, for some under-the-radar stories that will help you survive at a dinner party, folks, we asked our friends at Marketplace to tell us a few. George Judson, Managing Editor, what story are you going to be talking about this weekend? Angry Snowman. What do snowmen have to be angry about right now? This is the best year ever for them.
2: Well, they're standing outside the state capitol in Michigan where legislators have to raise taxes to cover the budget. Protesters showed up. They built anti-tax snowmen.
0: (laughs) One held a sign that said, I'm mad and I vote. Do snowmen actually have a vote in Michigan? They may now. Amy Scott, New York bureau chief, what's your story?
2: Designer abductions. Is this is this a new store or a new club? Well, it's a new French company that will allow people to pay about twelve hundred bucks to be kidnapped. What? <laughs> who would use such a service? Uh, apparently, it's um, corporate executives who are. <laughs> I guess, tired of bungee jumping, so they'll pay for the adrenaline rush of being bound and gagged and held for up to 11 hours. So this raises the question, what does the executive of the kidnapping company do for thrills? <laughs> I don't know, goes on vacation to Hawaii?
0: Yeah, like plays horseshoes, has a light beer. Stacy Vanek-Smith, senior reporter, what story are you gonna be talking about this weekend?
3: Well, a Bollywood filmmaker is offering $10,000 to anyone who can sit through his horror movie called Funk 2 and make it through to the end without freaking out and leaving. It's funk, the
0: FUNK 2, the sequel to FUNK.
3: Yeah, the sequel to FUNK 1.
0: So it's, it's that scary? Is, is it like two solid hours of Congress trying to pass a bill?
3: Yeah, FUNK actually translates to C-SPAN. <laughs> I can't watch anymore!
2: And now, time for cocktails. Once again, we tell you something that happened this week in history, then give you a fitting drink to serve along with it. It's like
0: history is a cliff diver doing a triple indie into a booze lagoon. Booze lagoon. It's the sequel to the Blue Lagoon.
2: All right, first, the history. This week, back in 1958, the peace symbol was designed.
0: Now, everyone at your dinner party will surely have seen that symbol at some point, but we doubt they'll know the story behind it. Thanks to our friend Michelle Philippi, you're about to.
3: The world's most hopeful symbol came from a pretty hopeless guy. ¶¶ His name was Gerald Holtham, and he loved two things, graphic design and pacifism. During World War II, he was a conscientious objector, and he hoped when the war ended that people would stop fighting for a while. Instead, they built nukes and threatened each other with annihilation. So in 1958, when a group announced England's first ever anti-nuke march, Holtham put his graphic talents to use by designing the marchers a symbol that represented his, quote, deep despair. It was a circle with a line down the middle and two shorter lines sticking out from it, like a person standing, with arms held out and down, pleading. Some marchers stuck the symbol on clay badges. Each came with a note. It said, unlike people, the badges might survive a nuclear war.
4: The march begins. Many marchers carried a symbol of the campaign for nuclear disarmament.
3: The march only drew 2,000 people, but tens of thousands showed up for the next one, and the one after that drew 100,000.
4: They are pledged to the common cause of
5: mankind.
3: When peaceniks attended marches overseas, they brought their badges with them. Soon, Holtham's symbol of despair was one of the most recognized logos on Earth. Fulton didn't stay sad. Near the end of his life, he said nuclear disarmament was a positive thing, and he wished he'd turned the symbol upside down to look like a person with arms held up in victory. In fact, in his will, he asked for the symbol to be carved that way on his grave.
2: So that was the history lesson. Now it's time for the booze. I'm on the line with Luke O'Toole. He's a bartender on Trafalgar Square at the Rockwell Bar, which overlooks that beautiful square. And this is where the peace symbol made its debut. Luke, you've heard the history. What cocktail does it inspire you to make?
4: Well, I've made a cocktail up called the CND.
2: Which is the, the anti-nuclear group who he made the symbol for in the first place. Yeah,
4: that's right. So it's obvious reasons where the names come from. All right. It uses an ounce and a quarter of Puss's Navy Rum. Which Wait, called...
2: Navy Rum?
4: Yeah which has obvious links into Trafalgar Square in the Nelson's Column.
2: For people who don't know, Nelson's Column is there for Admiral Nelson?
4: Yeah, that's right. It was a memorial built which commemorates the Battle of Trafalgar, which was won by Lord Nelson.
2: So it's interesting. So this, although the peace symbol made its debut there, there's actually a monument to war in the middle of the square.
4: Yeah, it's a bit weird like that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's like a cultural cocktail. Yeah. Okay, and so what else is in your drink?
4: Okay, we use... Three ounces of pressed apple juice and three ounces of pressed pineapple juice to sweeten it up slightly.
2: Sweet juice is to balance out the rum, and so you're actually looking for peaceful harmony within the drink itself.
4: Yeah, it's quite, it's quite a complex mix of fruit flavors. You've got the sort of tart flavors in the smack of apple juice, and then it's sweetness of the pineapple juice.
2: And so, Luke, how long have you been bartending?
4: Uh, it must be coming up on 10 years now, so we're getting there.
2: So in your experience, do, does alcohol usually promote peace or violence?
4: Um, overall, they tend overall, it tends to be peaceful, but they, they have in the past caused many
2: a a ruckus i can imagine i've i've actually drank with some british folks in the past and it's gotten rowdy i have to admit oh well And I can't think of a symbol that's become as much of a part of popular culture as the peace symbol did. I mean it's it's kind of played now, but man, that what was that the was anar- the
0: reigning symbol. What about the anarchy symbol?
2: That that's played too. man. Or the but, Batman the, symbol. <laughs> all those symbols, I, I think that Jesus fish with the feet, I think it ate <laughs> all of those symbols in America. And then and then Calvin peed on them. Alright, for more classy banner like this, you can <laughs> join our Facebook fan page. It's at facebook.com
0: slash dinner party download. Our guest of honor this week is Holly Golightly. Back in the 90s, she was an indie superstar with the raw and super-fun garage rock band The Head Coatees. Her new album's due out next month. It's called Medicine County. And she's here with collaborator and one-man backup band, Lawyer Dave. Welcome to you both.
5: Hi. Howdy.
0: Firstly, uh, Lawyer Dave, I must ask where the name Lawyer Dave come from?
6: Ah, this whole boring story. Uh, There was two Daves in the band once, and They got sick of saying Dave and us both answering. So one day we were drinking Irish coffee and I got a mug that said Lawyer on it. And the other day was drinking from a mug that had a bear on it. So he became Bear Dave and I became Lawyer Dave. And I think I got the better of the two because he lives in San Francisco and Bear... Doesn't always mean the animal, if you know what I mean. And
5: and he couldn't be further from it, really. Uh, yeah, well, he's yeah,
0: <laughs> he's slim, hairless. Dave is would be more accurate, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, you folks live in Athens, Georgia now, correct?
6: But
5: yeah.
0: Closest town, really. What is it, Danielson? Maybe. Danielsville. Danielsville. Population: four hundred and Seventy-two. Seventy-two.
5: Mm-hmm. We're the two.
0: No, no, Dave, you're clearly from the South. You're a Texan, I believe. That's that's correct. So not a huge move for you, but uh, Holly, you grew up in the UK and your recent albums have this very southern twang and I'm wondering how much of that comes from your new home and how much from Dave or
5: I I don't think it's anything to do with where I live we recorded the first album we did in my house in Kent in England and uh, and Mm. I I don't think it's that new to me really I've been doing my version of country songs on pretty much every record I've done but they've been interspersed with punk rock you know (laughs) and they disappeared somewhere underneath it
0: do you think that maybe that aesthetic having been kind of a part of your life for such a long time maybe led you to make the move finally to the the birthplace, so to speak, of some of that music?
5: No, land prices made me make the move to uh, Georgia. (laughs)
0: Let's get around to our two sort of standard questions that we ask everybody on the show. Our first question is always, if we were seated next to you at a dinner party, what question would you least like to be asked? What is sort of the question that you're sick of being asked at dinner parties?
5: There's so many. I wouldn't know where to start. I wouldn't like, I don't really like it when people start asking me about the White Stripes.
0: Oh, that's right, because you collaborated with them, right, on on, uh, Elephant?
5: Well, I sang a song on one of their records, yeah
0: and that's like haunted you for the every well, same... it's
5: not really representative of what i've done in the last 20 years i don't think <laughs> it's not the epitome of my career that's the sort of you know it's quite a difficult question because really when people ask that they just want to know you know is jack white going to be available at any time
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, or is, is jack white insane or awesome i guess yeah is the other uh, that
5: that is actually i do get asked that one a lot is he a really nice guy or is he a dick i don't and you can't really answer that can you
0: uh, our second question is kind of the opposite. Tell us something that you haven't been talking about in interviews, something that we don't know. Mm. Oh, could I go? Yeah. For Christmas, Holly got a handgun. <laughs> no one's ever not
6: asked Not many
5: people it. know that.
6: <laughs> <laughs> and she's actually really good at it. Did you ask Santa for the handgun?
5: I didn't. I, no, I had no idea it was coming down the chimney.
6: Well, this Christmas we, we got things that um, she got me a horse, which is really for her. <laughs> And I got her a gun, which is really for me. And as it turns <laughs> out, we both like the the thing we got a
2: lot. Wow, two for one, lawyer Dave. What a character! She is the he's <laughs> cool, man. But you know, like if you think about it, getting a horse for Christmas isn't exactly a good thing. Like you'd have to use that thing whether you liked it or not. That's true. You can't just
0: <laughs> you can't just stuff it in a drawer. And <laughs> totally. it's it's very hard to regift a horse, especially if you gave the person who gave it to you a gun. <laughs> <laughs> um, ladies and gentlemen, you can give us gifts, fruitcakes, fruitcakes, or comments <laughs> at our website. It's dinnerpartydownload.com. Yeah. Be- So we've met our guest of honor. Now it's time for the main course, the part of the show where we talk about food. So, Rico, this group called
2: Sustainable Table has released a sustainable dinner party kit. Ah, and
0: I wonder why we would talk to those people. (laughs) Exactly. So
2: strange. Our lawyers notified me about this. And uh, so while researching it, I downloaded this sustainable dinner party kit. There's no map of 24-hour liquor stores.
0: That is an outrage.
2: (laughs) What kind of sustainable party is that? It's unsustainable.
0: (laughs) In my opinion.
2: But no, actually, this group was talking about sustainable food, which is basically, you know, eating habits that don't destroy the world. So they created this kit that shows you how to throw a dinner party and teach people about sustainability at the same time.
0: That sounds like a hootenanny.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's
0: like Van Halen in a box.
2: So when I spoke with Dawn Bridget of Sustainable Table, I asked her,
0: wouldn't that be boring?
7: (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. I don't know anybody who thinks that sustainable is boring. Well, you live
2: in New York, Dawn. (laughs)
7: Yeah, I guess everybody here is talking about food. The thing is, is that everybody has to eat. And I think that it's pretty easy to get a conversation going about food. Now, where that conversation goes, I guess, is um, the part where it could get boring or judgmental or, you know, I think that you just need to be cautious about how you approach it. You know, our approach is definitely just to kind of bring it up and to share the information you have with people.
2: Can you... Describe what went into this kit. If someone downloads it, what, what are they going to get?
7: We have ideas, you know, from invitations to using sustainable cleaning supplies and, you know, trying to use dishes and not throwing away uh, paper plates.
2: I saw that one of your suggestions is if you don't have enough plates to have people bring their plates. That <laughs> yeah, sounds like know, trouble to me.
7: <laughs> <laughs> I thought so, too. But, I mean... I guess I could throw a plate and a knife and fork in a bag and get on the subway.
2: Well, see, it's that vision of throwing plates. I immediately think of a Greek wedding (laughs) and people throwing them into the fireplace, (laughs) which doesn't seem very sustainable.
7: Maybe you should only (laughs) invite as many people as you have plates. There you go. How's that as a better idea?
2: Okay. (laughs) So in this kit, you also have some theme ideas. Do you have a favorite?
7: I would say the cookbook party sounds the most interesting, which I have not tried.
2: The idea of this one is that you find one cookbook and do everything all the recipes are based on this single book.
7: Right. So let's say you have a potluck. You have this opportunity to tell people what sustainable food is, to suggest that they go to a farmer's market. And then, you know, in this case, I could even tell them what to cook.
2: I was thinking you might need something more severe, like a climate refugee party where <laughs> where people come and you have one glass of water and you invite four times the amount of people your house can hold. And you all kind of <laughs> crowd around together and you don't serve anything for two days. What do you think about okay.
7: that? Okay. So I think that is definitely going to scare people away from sustainable food and they're never going to want to talk about it again, that, you know, this can be absolutely overwhelming and it can be more than people want to know about their food. And I think that if more people know that, you know, these little steps are important, that they're not going to be as scared as if they went to your dinner party.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay. So, Brendan, it's not that the party you threw last week was bad. It was a climate
2: refugee party.
0: <laughs> Actually, yeah.
2: It was themed. <laughs> Actually, that was a, who are these people? They don't deserve my booze party.
0: <laughs> and that's the dinner party download for this week. Uh, heads up, next episode is an all icebreaker show. Which is good news or bad
2: news, depending on how you feel about our icebreaker. Indeed. Meanwhile, we're twittering daily dinner party
0: fodder. You can follow us at dinner party DNLD. Thanks to Delassi Michelis for helping set the table. We leave you, as always, with One for the Road, a song to play on your way to or departing from this weekend's dinner party. The band is called Dum Dum Girls.
2: The song is called Jail La La, and their debut album will be coming out on Sub Pop Records later this year.
0: Bon appétit. Oh Galeano, I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. And hey man,
2: I got you a gift. Oh, this is so nice. Thanks. Let me check this out. Oh, a 20-sided die in a wizard costume.
0: Yeah, it's really for me.